Well, 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 well. Very, very good morning to you guys. And hope you're enjoying your commute if you are indeed on it. And if you're not, well, I still hope that you're enjoying yourself. We have reached a very interesting part of Second Kings. I don't know about you guys, but actually, kind of, this is a really good book of the Bible. I, I totally underestimated it. It kind of reads more like a, like a TV series rather than anything else. It's very, very high drama. It's really good storytelling. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I've kind of been waking up every morning and just had this kind of sense of, I can't wait. Can't wait to see what happens next. So this passage here for today, it kind of reads, it's sort of like if it was on TV, it would be like a split part one, part two season finale, if that makes sense. It's like really high drama. The protagonist of the story is in trouble. You know, the city's in danger. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of, there's a lot going on. There's high stakes. And there's a lot to lose. So it's exciting. Buckle up. Uh, I think I'm going to split it in two. Uh, I'm going to do part one today and a part one tomorrow. And we'll just see where, where we go. Hello, by the way, if it's your first time, my name is Matthew Thompson. I'm a 23-year-old writer from Belfast. And this is Quiver. Quiver, what do we do? We read a passage of the Bible. I share a couple of thoughts. And then we move into a time of prayer. All hopefully within the length of your commute. That's the plan anyway. Gotta have a wee bit of wiggle room. So here we go, 2 Kings chapter 6, and we're in verse 24. Subtitle, Ben-Hadad besieges Samaria. Ben-Hadad, what a class name, like, he is the king of Aram, if I'm not mistaken. And Samaria is kind of where the king of Israel and everyone's living. So let's jump straight into it. So I'm reading from the NLT, and you'll have to forgive me, I've been a wee bit dosed all week, so may need to stop for a wee nose blow or a wee cough, but you know what? We're going to survive, guys. We're going to get through it. So here we go. Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. One day, as the king of Israel was walking along the wall of the city, a woman called out to him, Please help me, my lord the king. He answered, If the lord doesn't help you, what can I do? I have neither food from the threshing floor, nor wine from the press to give to you. But then the king asked, What's the matter? She replied, This woman said to me, Come on, let's eat your son today and then we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and ate him. And then the next day I said to her, okay, so kill your son and we can eat him. But she's hidden her son. When the king heard this, he tore his clothes in despair. And as the king walked along the wall, the people could see that he was wearing burlap under the robe next to his skin. May God strike me and even kill me. If I don't separate Elisha's head from his shoulders this very day, the king bowed. Elisha was sitting in his house with the elders of Israel when the king sent a messenger to summon him. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, A murderer sent the man to cut off my head. When he arrives, shut the door and keep him out. We'll soon hear his master's steps following him. When Elisha was still saying this, the messenger arrived. And the king said, All of this misery is from the Lord. 
Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Cue the dramatic music, you know, get like the the big Hans Zimmer sort of score in because this is high drama. There is a lot at stake. Our protagonist, Elisha, he's about to get his head cut off. The people of Israel, they're flipping starving. They're dying. They're under attack. They're out of food. It's absolutely nuts. So if you joined us yesterday, well, I'll put it to you like this. I first read this and I was like, why the heck does why the heck does the king of Israel want Elisha's head? This just doesn't make any sense. And then I remembered if you joined us yesterday, uh, you'll know that Elisha, he actually had the opportunity to kill like a massive part of the Aramean army after he tricked them into following him into an ambush. Only instead of slaughtering them, he cooked them a nice wee dinner and fed them and watered them and sent them on their way. So I actually understand now why the king of Israel was uh, so upset. I understand why the king of Israel was, uh, yeah, why he was angry at Elisha. Makes sense. Um, so the city's in turmoil. The city is in turmoil, beg your pardon. Mothers are eating their own sons. The end is near. And in the king's eyes, it's all Elisha's fault. Now, I've got four kind of key takeaways for today. And this kind of sets us up for the first one. First thing I got from this was that not every act of obedience that we make is going to be popular. That's a hard pill to swallow. Um, For me, you probably get this by now. I am a really big believer that obedience leads to blessing. Now, whether that's in this life or the next, I am willing to accept that. Uh, I don't think I'm not one of these people that will say, oh, if you follow Jesus, you know, you'll you're going to be a millionaire and everything's going to be great. Nothing bad is going to happen to your life. I think if you just simply read the Bible, you'll see that that's not true for the people in it. But the journey in between, between obedience and between blessing is often filled with a lot of doubt. It's filled with mistrust. And I suppose it's filled with even questioning from the people who are sometimes the closest to us in our lives. I think that Elisha and the king, I'm pretty sure they had a pretty good relationship. I mean, from what we've read so far, even if they weren't like buddies, they definitely had a good working relationship. You know, like king would go to the prophet, prophet would go to the king. They would kind of like work together, make sure like the nation didn't crumble and fall apart. And so, you know, they were at least kind of good colleagues, I suppose. Um, But this through this crisis, that's quickly changed. And I think it's just important for us to remember, you know, as I harp on about obedience pretty much every single day, it's important to really really think and really acknowledge that yeah the gap between when you are obedient and the end result that can be a bit of a journey and a bit of a roller coaster it's not all kind of sunshine lollipops and really really kind of easy steps it's important to kind of brace ourselves for that and also just kind of um, acknowledge the reality of, of the situation and the reality of life that's very bleak but you know you gotta be real gotta be real sometimes uh, the second thing is when things go wrong, people often blame God. And I suppose as a result, they, they blame you as well. They blame us. And I think we see this in our culture all the time. Usually, quite topically, it's around a sort of a tragedy, like like in this passage here. Whether it's an act of terror, uh, natural disasters, famines, or other events that are on like a, a large scale, they're often followed up by a big, massive 
societal attitude that falls either in the the following two camps. The first one is kind of like a hashtag pray for our tragedy. You know what I mean? Like um, people who maybe the week before were kind of just like hating on Christianity, hating in the, the way it was, but then something happens and there's this, you know, there's this desire for prayer or someone dies in the family and the family's not religious and all of a sudden, you know, everyone will be like, oh, you're in our, you're in our prayers. The other camp that people can fall into is more of a place of anger and that is, well, where's your so-called God now? You know? And that can happen that can happen in a lot of ways. You know, as a society, I think we either turn to God for help or we blame him for our problems. As Christians, we get a lot of this anger uh, or, or a lot of this kind of need projected onto us during difficult times, whether it's on a family, local, national or an international scale. But suppose the question is, how do we react? What do we say? What do we do? As always, I think... There's actually something to learn from Elisha here. And I really thought this was interesting. This didn't come to me straight away. But reading through this passage again and again, I kind of was like, wow, I think there's something really powerful here. So number three is just the posture of Elisha. Check out what Elisha's doing in the middle of all this. It's really interesting when you break it down. He's sitting at a table with the elders of Israel. And to be honest, he seems to be doing... Not a lot. In fact, he seems to be doing nothing. I mean, obviously, we can't read between the lines. I don't know if they were strategizing. I don't know if they were talking. But it kind of reminds me of, if you've been listening to the show from the start, you'll remember Elijah, sorry, Elijah. Those names, like, flip me. Could have named them something different. Come on. Uh, Elijah in Second Kings chapter 1. If you remember back to that episode, we talked about how it seemed like he was just sitting on top of the hill doing nothing. In fact, what it seemed like he was doing was actually waiting. And more specifically, he was waiting on God. He was waiting for his next step. He was waiting for the next word to come from God so that he could take action. Not his own actions, but actually kind of heavenly actions. And so, I think even Elisha here, I think what he's actually doing is, I think that he's trusting that God's going to take care of things. I think he's waiting to hear on what he is supposed to do next. And these men around the table, this kind of picture, it reminds me of a group of people in a lobby waiting for an appointment. Now, God certainly didn't leave them hanging. We'll read that tomorrow, just how, how all of it turned out. But I want to stop here. I didn't want to go any further because I thought there was important things for us to reflect on and think about in our life just in this little space. Fourthly and finally, and kind of um, moving on and in the same sort of vein, what I, what I kind of thought about here was, have you given up waiting on God? As we move into our time of prayer, I'd actually like to pause on, I think, one of the most moving verses in Second Kings that I've read so far. And it's verse 33. It's the words of the king of Israel. It breaks my heart even just to see this. I really, I really felt this today. He says, all this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait? for the Lord any longer. You just sense the dejection in the man's voice. You just sense like the heartache that he's feeling right now of how I just can't do this anymore. I've given up. And again, like you know me, you know the podcast, I don't I don't do a lot of stuff like this, but I really did get a real sense that as I was reading this this morning, 
that actually some of us listening have given up waiting that we're done now in most areas areas of our lives we trust god and we love god but there's one specific situation that we have just completely thrown in the towel we've abandoned even the thought of trusting god about that thing because even the idea of it not working out is just enough to crush us now i say this very sensitively because I know how delicate this is for you. I'm not making false promises over your life. Take these words and apply them to your life and discern them to your own situation. But I just got this sense that God is not done with you yet. Please don't give up waiting because part two is coming and as we'll see tomorrow, there's an end to this story. So as we move into our time of prayer today, let's ask God to show us the areas of our lives that we've given up waiting on. Um, Again, just sorry for being long-winded. I feel like I have to share another wee thing here. Uh, when I was 16, I went to a big youth event called Teen Street in Germany. Mad crack. Awesome, awesome time. And I heard the following words there, and they've, this is a paraphrase, but they've stuck with me ever since. Uh, the guy or the girl who's speaking, I can't remember who it was, if it was a man or a woman, but uh, they basically said something along the lines of, when the Bible starts talking about waiting on the Lord, we often imagine us sitting alone waiting for God to show up, having to manage and fight fires and survive by ourselves until he finally gets here. But they said that the reality is a more accurate way of expressing this would be waiting with God because he never leaves our side. I had a quick picture there of a father and a child in a hospital and they're waiting to be seen. But the father is so close and so comforting to his sick kid. And he's waiting with them. They're in it together. He's holding them. He's tending to him. And he's beside him. That's God for you today. That's God for me. And I would just love us to reflect on that as we move into a time where we reflect on him. So sorry for being long-winded. Uh, just felt I had to share. And now we'll move into our time of guided prayer. Right, right, right. So, as always, got my wee cooking timer here. Seven, right. Seven minutes on the clock. And guided prayer, if it's your first time, really simply, this is an opportunity to put seven minutes of space into our calendar. Seven minutes of effectively silence where we can pray, where we can meditate, where we can um, hear from God, where we can reflect on what we've talked about today or we can make requests to him, or we can hear from him, or we can receive a word, where we can receive what we're supposed to do today. You know, we live busy lives, you know. I, I, I understand that. We live in a time-starved society. You probably wouldn't be listening to a podcast like this. I certainly wouldn't be making one like this if it, if it wasn't the case. So, really simply, four sections. I'll walk us through each of them, and uh, then I'll close just kind of in prayer. So, here we go. Don't be afraid to speak out. Don't be afraid to write things down. You know, respond to this in whatever way is going to serve you the best. I do this literally just for you. Um, so, you know, use it in whatever way you want. First section is really simply praise. To lift up our gratitude and express our thanks to God for the things that he's given us. See, starting your day in a wee bit of gratitude. It's an absolute game changer. And it's a really nice way to actually open yourself up 
and just see the world differently. So here we go in these next couple of minutes. Let's just focus on being thankful for what it is that we actually have been given. So the second section is really simply requests. What is it that you need? Is it something physical? Is it something emotional? Is it something situational? Any other roles I can think of? I don't think so. Is it for a person in your life? Is it for your job, your business? Is it for your church? You know, requests. This bit is just all about lifting up our requests to God and just unburdening ourselves and asking him for the things that we need really simply just encourage you just to do that now in this time So the third section is called actions. This is basically all about how we can actually allow God to speak into our today. How we can allow God to speak into our to-do list. You know, like so often we want to be obedient to God. So often we want to, Lord, I want to do your will. But do we actually take time to find out his will? Well, here's a chance to do it. Jesus, what do you want us to do today? Simply as that. Here we are. We're waiting on you. And we're asking you just to speak very specifically and very clearly and show us what is it that you would have for me today? What good works, what key things, whether they're big or small, do you want me to do? Give me an opportunity to be obedient. 
and give me the courage to follow through on it. So the fourth and final section is really simply called yearn. What are you yearning for today? What do you need to hear from God? What is it that, that your heart's crying out for today? Here's an opportunity just to open ourselves up and just allow God to speak directly to us, whether it's a word of encouragement, a word of love, a challenge, whatever it is. God knows your situation. I don't. So, Father, here we are. Please speak to us today. Please speak specifically what we need to hear and allow us to be open to receive from you, open to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak clearly and directly to us. So, Father, my word, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you so much that even when we're waiting on you, that we're actually waiting with you. Thank you so much that in the midst of absolute chaos and madness that you're still there. It might not look like you've got a plan. It might not look like there's a way out. But, Lord, you know, even if we haven't read ahead in the story, we know what happens. We know how you come in and you save the day because that's what you do. So give us faith, give us courage, help us to trust you in between the gap from obedience to blessing in that journey, in that rocky road, through the hardship. And Lord, we know it can be really hard through the suffering, through the pain, through the turmoil. You know, give us the faith, give us the patience, and frankly, just give us the trust in you. That's the hardest thing sometimes, is actually just to, just to trust so thank you so much for this story man i'm so into this story right now and it's so exciting to actually 
be really really excited about a about a bible um book it's brilliant and i pray that you'll give us all hunger for second kings you'll make it exciting for us and just that we can really learn from it as much as we possibly can so jesus please keep my battery going to finish this and i just pray you bless every single person who's listening and that you give them a really great day and you just guide them you just walk with them and that you just show them more of you um, as they're maybe pulling into work as they're maybe going home as they're maybe lying in bed whatever it is uh thank you that you're waiting right beside them and that you're with them thanks very much for everything and we ask everything in jesus name amen right mates i got a dash i'm on maybe five percent here so hopefully this makes it out and really appreciate you listening cannot wait for part two of the season finale tomorrow morning maybe i don't know monday to friday i don't even know what day it is uh if it's a friday it won't be tomorrow it'll be monday but you get the idea so can't wait it's gonna be a good one looking forward to it hope you're loving second kings as much as i am and if you would like to share a testimony if you'd like to share a story that relates to what we've been talking about heck if you'd like to share anything go ahead social media at matthew t belfast uh, if you're listening on anchor you can submit a voice message or voice story or you can just go on the website too whatever right have a great day and really looking forward to seeing you tomorrow cheers 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 <laughs>